Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back, and the big question of today's podcast is, will rising interest rates kill housing sales? Will the rising interest rates kill the housing market? And what Julie and I are going to do is uh, we're going to present a series of facts to you explaining why the rising interest rates will have an effect on the housing market, but absolutely positively know the rising interest rates will not uh, substantially change the housing market and the trajectory towards a uh, seller's market. And we're going to give you the facts and the figures, and we're also going to tell you the practical and tactical approach how to overcome your own fears with regards to interest rates, but also how to overcome any fears that your uh, some of your clients might have. And we're going to start out by reading an article. And this article actually is from our own website, timandjulieharris.com. And this, the title of this article, by the way, the title of today's podcast is just as I said, Will Rising Rates Kill Home Sales? But I'm going to reference this article, and Julie's going to read this little section to you. And if you guys aren't reading our, pod, or our blog posts, our articles over on our main website, uh, you might want to subscribe to the site ASAP. Um, just go over to timandjulieharris.com, and we do our, we have a team of writers that publish usually three or four new articles every single day. And they're right in alignment with the podcast, similar topics, so we're keeping you guys on fo- uh, focused and on point. And the topic of this article, Julie's going to read you a little bit of it, is can home prices and interest rates soar simultaneously? Yes, really interesting stuff here. Rising mortgage rates are supposed to temper house prices, but could it be different this time around? There's a lot of good stuff in this article, but I'm going to start with new unpredictable phase in the housing market. Remember, we've been talking to you guys about a shift, a change in the market. This is what we're talking about, unpredictable phase. Edward Seeler, Associate Vice President for Housing Economics with the MBA, said, There are so many strange things going on right now. It's been 40 years since interest rates, home price growth, and inflation have all increased simultaneously. This time around, however, is there's also a severe housing shortage to exacerbate the housing market even more. Plus, with the relatively instant rise of remote working, home buyers are shifting their priorities in terms of what they want to buy and where they want to buy. He said nobody really knows what's going to happen over the next year. So what he's talking about there is the demand is still out there. That's just one factor. Uh, Sam Cater, chief economist with Freddie Mac, agrees. He said we've had episodes of both rising rates and rising home prices in the past, but not this intense for both. So the average monthly mortgage payment in February skyrocketed in one month to $1,653. That's the average. And of course, it varies from about $1,400 in Texas up to uh, almost $1,900 in Idaho. But here's another interesting fact. And, and this really applies to those of you who have renters who might be thinking about buying or waiting. Listen to this. According to Go Banking Rates, the median rent in 2021 soared almost 18%, which is a record high. Go Banking Rates commented that expensive and prohibitive do not adequately describe such a huge rent cost burst, nor the crisis that millions of renters are facing as long-term leases expire and overpriced inventory diminishes. 
So all of these things are happening at the same time. Now, remember, that was the rising. Uh, this is all salient for the points that Julia and I are about to share with you guys on today's show. Um, but this is really important because, remember, that is a 18% increase in rents in 2021. And you must assume that it's going to be equally as high in 2022. So your rents in the United States, let's just say, are going up by 20 to 30% in just two years. That's never happened before. Take it from long-term uh, property owners like Julie and I. We have lots and lots of rental properties. We barely raised rents. <laughs> yeah. Barely. Matter of fact, between lease uh, terms, we maybe raised the rent by 100 bucks. Right. And, and and not even every time. And we're having to raise rents now, not because of uh, greed. It's because the expense of owning the property has gone through the roof. The expense of all the normal things from insurance to property taxes uh, to just getting people to fix things. And Julie told yeah. me about a, a repair bill we had on our stupid gutter the other day. And mm -hmm. I was just laughing to myself thinking, not so long ago, that's how much it would cost you to replace a furnace. Seriously, I know. Everything's gone up. So related to that, what is the logic to bidding high for scarce housing? Well, buying now before interest rates climb even more and make it harder to buy means that interest rates won't rise anymore for that specific home buyer. You close today, that's your rate. According to Beth Albeda, a Redfin agent in Austin, where home prices increased 40% and rent prices increased 40% in 2021, uh, she said, you're not going to pay even higher prices in three months if you close, she's talking about. What you think you're overpaying for today will be a deal in a few months because everything is increasing so rapidly. It's a common conversation that's out there right now, and, and that plays to why you don't want to wait. We talked about that yesterday. If you are not already locked in yourself or you've got a rate higher than five, five and a half, you need to be refinancing. So all of these things are salient points, and that brings us to our podcast notes. All right, let me where, pull those up. Yes, where we're talking about you know all of these things happening simultaneously. Well, our title for today is, Will Rising Rates Kill Housing Sales? And here's the thing. If you've been in real estate for about 12 years or less, which is most of you, you probably think of a mortgage as a 30 years fixed loan with 20% down and a low rate. That may be the extent of your mortgage knowledge. And that's been the standard issue loan for more than a decade. But now that rates are inching up, still not the end of the housing world as you know it, I promise you, it is time to brush on, up on some options to keep payments reasonable. So we're going to get into that after we do a couple of facts. But let's talk. I mean, Julie and I have been getting a ton of emails from agents asking about the housing market. Stop listening and reading or hanging out with negative people. Yes, there's a market shift happening and yes, you can thrive. Uh, Here's an idea for you guys. It is absolutely past time for you to get an updated business and lead generation plan. So we've done all the heavy lifting for you. And the best part, this costs you nothing. For I think this week and maybe next week, frankly, we're going to be offering free coaching calls, free business planning calls with some of our new member coaches. And all you have to do is text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 47372. Is that right? 47372? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Text the word JOIN to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link. You have to click yes, and then it's going to text you a link that's going to take you right to the schedule page. So you're going to then schedule the day and the time that's most convenient for you that coincides with our new member coaches. We set aside a scheduled time for three of our new member coaches to have those uh, business consultation uh, coaching calls with you. If you'd like a free business consultation call, just text the word JOIN to 47372. And like I said, you'll then be able to go and choose your day and time of your uh, preferred appointment with one of our new member coaches. And on there, they're going to share with you the real estate treasure map. Uh, they're going to get you going in the right direction. Because here's a simple fact, and you're going to be learning this. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny. You should tell, that call, tell them about the call you just mm -hmm. had. But they're going to help you co-create a lead generation plan, uh, create a plan for the rest of the year, 
Guys, what you had in place uh, over the last few years to build your real estate business, assuming you had anything in place from lead, in, if you had an organized plan, pretty much everything is going to be in flux this year. And it's the rising interest rates, but really what it is more than anything, it's the runaway inflation. We're experiencing something that has never been um, really experienced, we can say maybe the late 70s, early 80s with regards to inflation rates, but the reality of it is, is nothing like this has ever happened before like it's happening. So you definitely need to update your plan and your approach to your real estate business. So if we've made it easy for you, just text the word JOIN to 47372 and you can talk to one of our um, new member coaches. And you want to tell them that story? Well, I was just thinking about, you know, I, I won't tell the whole story for you. Oh, know. you know what? Yeah. Message and data rates may oh. apply. <laughs> so I always forget. Yes, yeah, so text the, that's right. So text the word JOIN to 47372. So I'll, I'll set it up for you. Okay. Julie just had a, um, we had somebody uh, speak with Julie today who wants to hire Julie. If you guys remember yesterday, we talked about the fact that Julie has decided to open up her schedule to accept six new coaching clients into her personal schedule. And other than returning clients, she hasn't actually accepted any new clients for almost two years. Now, why are we doing that? Because it's only six and we're hoping to get six clients in different corners of the country because you guys are without a doubt the best source of information for us. And Julie and I are seeing signs that the markets are changing. We talk to all of our normal people and get all of our normal feedback, but nothing is as powerful as the feedback you're going to get from someone who actually has boots on the ground knowing what's happening in the uh, different markets around the country. So Julie is looking for six uh, potential coaching clients. And if you guys are interested in being a personal coaching client of what many refer to as the number one real estate coach in the nation, Mrs. Julie Harris, please do text to me directly and I will arrange a private call with you and Julie. 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. So Julie found herself on a call today with someone. Go ahead. Yes, who is a returning client, had gone through some different life changes and had wisely made herself into a transaction coordinator to get through those said changes and now is returning both to normal real estate sales as well as to our coaching. But in the meantime, she uh, shared some interesting stories, two salient points. One is that she was with a, a different company that she did learn some stuff from, but her comment was, you know, there's a big difference being coached by somebody who is actually licensed, actually out there, actually engaged in real estate. That would be us and all of our coaches. Um, and we talked about that a little bit, but she also said something funny. She said, you know, I, I, through all of these changes, I've always listened to your podcast. And she said, I knew that I had to make a change when I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I ought to go look at maybe some Zillow leads. And then I said to myself, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. You've got to call Tim and Julie. Okay. <laughs> that I, you know, I really appreciate that. But the joke we had off that was basically like a Zillow lead. is like you're walking down a street and there's somebody in the alley and goes, Psst, hey, buddy, you want to buy a watch? Right. Buy some leads. So for all of you listening, if you're having these thoughts because you're having a hard time finding leads, finding people who will list with you, who are, if you're tired of banging your head into the wall with buyers for many different reasons that we've talked about, and you're having those thoughts, do what she did and say, no, something's wrong if I'm having those thoughts. I need to reach out to people who can help me more efficiently in actually building a sustainable business. And that's what we're going to be working on with her starting next week. And by the way, today's podcast, and frankly, a lot of the podcasts that we do, if you think about it, the angstfulness that comes from rising rates is not on the seller side. So if you're prominently no. a listing agent 
and interest rates are going up, you're not really that worried about it, are you? But if you're working with buyers, you are sweating bullets right now worrying about rising rates. So this podcast today is relevant for everybody, and really we're designing it so that it'll calm your nerves. But uh, the real, hopefully, takeaway point for you is going to be that, you know what? The market's changing. Interest rates are rising. Inflation is rising. Buyers are going to take themselves out of the market, as you're about to hear. Maybe I ought to finally listen to Tim and Julie and become a powerful listing agent. And if you would like a free coaching call, I'll talk with one of our new member coaches. Text the word JOIN to 47372. Or if you'd like to be this, uh, one of the small handful of agents that Julie considers as a personal coaching client, please text uh, me and I'll uh, coordinate a call with you and Julie at 512-758-0206. All right, we've got a lot of ground to yeah, cover today. That's right. So let's get through all these points. Okay, so we're going to do two facts and then three strategies to deal with rising interest rates, okay? So all of you who are note takers, sharpen your pencil because we're going to do just a little bit of math here. This is the educational part of educating you, motivating you, and getting you into action. Fact number one, buying a home in today's market makes more sense than waiting, even with the higher rates. For example, at an interest rate of 5%, the payment on a $500,000 purchase, financing $400,000 after putting 20% down, will cost you $2,430 a month or about $29,000 per year. Is that that PITI? Uh, yes, I did figure for some. And now, obviously, property taxes Average. will vary, right? Right, but that's but, very... But yes, I do have that built in. Okay, so for now, obviously, adjust accordingly if they're putting less than uh, 20% down. Right. Okay, so again, 5%, financing four hundred grand, 20% down, uh, with PITI, twenty four thirty a month, about twenty nine grand per year. Now, here is where inflation slash appreciation is on your side. After just one year, using a now conservative estimate of 16% appreciation because in most areas it's more than that already, that equals $80,000 in equity built. So we're going to compare. Take away your $29,000 worth of payments, and you're ahead financially by $51,000. That's after just one year. So I figured out that if appreciation slows, or slash inflation, they're mixed together right now, slows to 7% yearly, you're still breaking even on your payments versus your growth in equity. Or you can rent and you're losing the money. Every time, every month, does not matter, you know, it's guaranteed. And your landlord is most certainly going to raise your rent this year by potentially as much as another 20%. That's right. And those of you who think that landlords are just being greedy and taking advantage of inflation, think about when the the price of that house, you know, of course that's going to be reevalued by the tax assessor just just covering the higher property taxes means that they've got to raise that. So that's fact number one is all of these things when you, even with a higher rate of 5%, you're still building equity. Okay, fact number two, if you believe that buyers are always required or expected to put 20% down, you'd be wrong. According to the National Association of Realtors in 2021, the average down payment was 12%. Buyers under 30 years old averaged just 6% down. There are low or no down payment loans, and you can get a 3% down conventional loan if your credit and ratios are strong enough. Veterans usually put down 0%. Well, why does this matter? Because using some cash toward rate locks, buy downs, and other strategies can lock in a lower rate, thus a lower payment. And you're saying, wait, what? How do you do those things? Most of our listeners have never heard of any of this. Well, right? let's so let's just give them a quick summary. But really what you should be doing is talking with a reliable loan officer 
Um, and again, we've done podcasts on how to choose a loan officer to work with. But what Julie's talking about is, if, let's say, for example, the best rate that your buyer is being quoted is, say, four and three quarters or something, right? They can actually, and this is, again, how you're going to have to start thinking as the market starts to adjust more in this direction. They can use their own money and buy the rate down, meaning they can put money towards uh, making the interest rate lower, or they can ask the seller to do it. Now, the seller's not going to do it out of what their proceeds would be, so it's going to have to be tacked on top. But with the market inflating so fast, it's not going it. to be difficult to hide some closing costs and some rate uh, buy-downs into the uh, deal. And Julie's going to give you some descriptions yes. on how to do that now. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty so they really understand this. So knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So update your mortgage education so you can think out of the box and continue to meet or exceed your production goals. The more people you know how to help, the better you'll do in today's changing market. And here's the secret. Knowing about different types of loans for different types of borrowers doesn't just help you with your buyers. You may find yourself, and I already see this from coaching clients, Tim, you may find yourself finding a solution for buyers and contract on your listings because the other agents don't know what to do about it. And deals are falling apart right now because no one is suggesting alternatives to the 30-year fix. So let's take let's explain what that means. As you become a more powerful listing agent, you'll, you'll, you will find that the biggest frustration is going to be inexperienced buyer's agents. Now, how many of you right now who are listing agents are saying, hallelujah, someone finally said it? Yeah. Well, so opposed to knocking heads with the buyer's agent, you're going to most likely have to take control of the buyer's agent side of the transaction, do the buyer's agent side of the transaction, uh, transaction to the point where you might actually have to work with their buyer directly to help them get a financing. Do not assume that when you get an offer in that the deal was not going to be workable. Uh, it might just be that the buyer's agent is not necessarily, well, they're ignorant as to the different options that are available out there. One of the things that you will maybe consider doing is as the market starts to adjust, you could write into the contract. Let's say you get a $500,000 house. Uh, it, you list it. it get, you get a great contract on it. Everybody accepts it. But you can write into the contract, and we have language like this for our premier coaching clients, that you all ex terms are accepted, but the buy the seller requests that the buyer be pre-qualified by the, by the seller's uh, loan officer within 48 hours of acceptance of the contract or something to that effect. And now, obviously, it's an opportunity for the loan officer to maybe get another buyer get to, you know, to do a loan. But really what that is, is you're making sure that that buyer actually had all options presented to them. And this is really important in a market like this. And this is, again, one of the reasons that we teach all you guys this in Premier Coaching. But here's an overview. You want to have a loan officer to work with your upper-end clients. You want to have a loan officer to work with your meat and potato clients, your normal you know, clients, move-up types. And you want to have a loan officer to work with your first-time home buyers. Uh, because those loan officers, are, even though they do have access to each other's loan products, the reality of it is, is they're not going to be very good in all the different uh, loan with all the different loan products. We used a great loan officer in Columbus, Ohio, in the Yerkey Mortgage, and they really drilled down on the government loans, the FHA, the VA, and all that stuff. And anytime we got one of those clients, we send them over to them, and people love them. We had a really upper end uh, loan officer who liked to play golf. He was kind of a snob, and the upper end clients yeah. loved him. And then we had everybody in the middle that we'd send to this other uh, loan officer, a gal, if I remember correctly. That's the way Julie and I did it, and it always worked. Because what you'll find sometimes, and you don't necessarily know this, is you send your potential buyer to a loan officer. That loan officer might not have the products 
that your buyer needs to get qualified. So that loan officer might say, your buyer doesn't qualify for this particular mortgage, opposed to saying, I don't have a product that will qualify that buyer for a mortgage. That's the reason you need to know what categories, or you need to know have some good loan officers, and don't assume they're all good, because they're not, nope. just like they're not good at, you know, there's bad doctors, bad vets, bad roofers, right? So that is what it is. But you have to be familiar with the products that they are offer, product as being the type of mortgage, so you can match your potential client with that loan officer. I'll go back to what I said previously. Do not assume that your co-ops listing agents are going to have this skill set. You're going to have to oftentimes take control respectfully without getting their egos yeah. you know, all worked up. You have to help them oftentimes, coach them, work with them, essentially be their sales manager to get the transaction done. That's called normal. That's right. And, you know, part of me fears for agents because you could have been licensed for a decade and never heard any of these terms that we're going to talk about today. But I also am really excited because I can tell you from our experience, how do we know about all this stuff? From saving deals, from putting deals together, from working in lots of a, different types of markets. A billion coaching clients and a billion different markets <laughs> all over the country having had a billion phone calls. That's it. <laughs> right. And, and then like in, in a buyer's market, one of the things that we teach all of our coaches to do back when it was a buyer's market is go through every single transaction that the uh, our clients would have, our coaching clients would have pending and really drilling down whether it was their buyer or a co-op's buyer as to the nature of the loan. Because what loan officers are all trained to do is not do any of the heavy lifting of the loan uh, until A, basically until the last minute. So you can have a, a deal blow up. Yeah. Not because of anything that the co-op did or the buyer did, but you can have a deal blow up because the loan officer didn't actually do a three-merge credit report. Again, this all goes to, what do we call it, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate addendum. The ultimate addendum. If you're an existing coaching client, make sure you find that on Harris Learning and then use that. That ultimate addendum essentially will save your bacon so you're knowing, uh, knowingly, I'm sorry, so you're taking a really good offer from a buyer who's actually been uh, fully through the loan process. Now, sometimes people will, oftentimes people will say they're cash. They're not really cash. They're just saying that to get you to accept the offer. So use the ultimate addendum in those cases as well. That's right. Okay, so two things that I should have put in here. Uh, one is a disclaimer. We are not licensed mortgage people. Mm -hmm. We are, you, yes, talking about mortgages. We are not coaching you in any way that you have to become a mortgage person. We're just exposing you to these facts. So that's my disclaimer. Okay. Well, we don't even think, for, I mean, there's a lot of agents, especially in like California, yeah. that do loans and do real estate transactions. And that's fine. It's fine. We've never coached agents. To, we've never, like, we've had plenty of coaching clients that do both. But in our opinion, you're going to be a lot better off. It, it's the old, uh, uh, what is that, um, Matthew McConaughey quote, you know? Yes. Uh, do one, uh, what did he say? You only, you only live once. Uh, you, you only, you only live, have enough time to get good at one thing, so choose wisely. There it is. You only live long enough to get right. oh, good at one thing, so choose wisely. In other words, he chose acting, right? So you want to choose, say, for example, being the greatest real estate professional you can, and then choose a really good loan officer. Have a team. And by the way, when you have three different loan officers that are uh, you're providing deals to, they're going to reciprocate by sending you referrals. That's called your professional center of influence. Okay, now we're going to get into a strategy to create the right loan situation. You guys do want to take notes. So number one, lock in today's interest rates by purchasing a rate lock extension. Now, what is a rate lock and how do you extend it? Before we get into that, I do want to just say it is appropriate. It is okay for you to be talking to lenders and asking these questions. Some of them have never done that because deals were just flying off the shelf, right? So that's okay to talk to lenders. You should be. 
What is a rate lock and how do you extend it? The rate lock is your lender's offer or your buyer's lender's offer to guarantee the interest rate of your mortgage loan for a specified period of time. They may charge an extra fee or include the cost of the rate lock in the loan. That's rolling it into the loan and allowing the borrower to finance it. They could go either way, depends on the lender. You need the rate to be locked in from initial loan approval through processing, underwriting, and closing. And with rates inching up, it may be wise now to pay a little extra to extend the rate lock a bit longer. This is especially important if you have a longer closing time, are waiting on new construction to complete, or are in a rising rate environment like we've been in for the past 60 days. Now, here's another little caveat. You do want to, and you'd have to ask for this, to have what's called a float down option so that if rates go lower, that you get that advantage as well. Otherwise, you're locked in at where you were, you know, even if it goes down. Now, what does it cost to lock in your interest rate? The fees vary and are dependent on the lock-in period that you want. Fees are measured in basis points, typically a quarter point, so that's 0.25% of the total loan value, not the purchase price. So a, a quarter percent rate lock fee on a $200,000 loan would be $500. Good way to use some of your money. Why did we talk about why you don't have to put 20% down? Maybe you use some of that money and you put 16% down and you use some of it to buy your rate, right? Okay, so is that really worth doing? Let's take this example. A $300,000 home financed for 30 years at 4% with 20% down will have the payment increase $44 per month if the rate goes up by a quarter point, okay? Now that's $2,600 more after five years of living in that home. But let's say you spend 600 bucks or a quarter point to lock down the lower rate. Over that time, you've saved $2,000. Now, when would it not make sense? If you're flipping out of the house quickly, what do you care? You're gonna be in and out before it matters. It might not matter to you if the extra $44 a month isn't enough of an increase to affect your, bar your cash flow or your borrower's cash flow, or if you can get a different type of loan and accomplish the same low rate without spending money on the rate lock, okay? So that's what rate locks are about. Uh, most of you guys didn't know that that existed. It didn't matter because rates were low for so long. Why would we have talked about this, right? Okay, so point strategy number two, use some cash to buy down the interest rate, thus reducing the monthly payment. This is different than locking in your rate. Now we're talking about buying down the rate. This is also known as paying points. Sometimes lenders require a borrower to do so, but you can also do it voluntarily as a strategy to keep the payment low. This is known as buying down the rate. And Tim, you mentioned sometimes sellers will do that. They're not gonna take it out of their net proceeds, but you can put it on the top and the way prices are going, that should not create an appraisal problem for when, you. When we got in the business, Julie, it was probably 50% of all the transactions. All the time. Where you, right. It's just con seller agrees to uh, you know pay blah, blah, blah towards buyer's closing costs. We're going back to an environment like that for sure. And the seller don't doesn't care. They'll say, fine, just pay my price. I'll, you know, we'll tack that on top. Because what they'll do is they say, well, I would have sold it for 500 grand, but you're asking me for $5,000 of buyer's closing costs. So I'll agree, but the new price is going to be 505. And then they usually, the smart uh, listing agents will know not to make the commission uh, payable on the extra $5,000, right? So that's, that's how those deals usually work out. Point being, guys, is knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. And if you hear uh, agents running in fear of the rising interest rates, but you know how to actually work in an environment like this, you're going to make money and do transactions that other people aren't. Yeah, and it'll seem like witchcraft and alchemy to them, but you'll yeah, get, get more deals done. Okay, so how much does one mortgage point reduce the interest rate? Typically, when you pay 1% of the mortgage amount, remember, not the purchase price, the mortgage amount, the lender will typically reduce the rate by a quarter percent. 
You decide how much or little, little you wish to pay when buying down your points. You could buy down two or three points if you wanted to. The effect of a paid discount point is different with different lenders, the type of loan, and the borrower's qualifications. There is no absolute standard I'm giving generals. Usually when you when you pay 1%, it comes down by a quarter point, give or take. So 1% of the mortgage amount. So if you're borrowing $4,000 or $400,000 mm-hmm. and you pay them $4,000, you're saying if your rate before it was four and three quarters, it's now four and a half percent. Correct. You did that voluntarily. Now, sometimes lenders will do that to you because they'll say, well, if you want that, you've got to pay this. You can go to them and say, well, what if instead of putting all this money down, I use some of my cash to buy down and lock in the rate? You know, that would be a smart thing to do. If you amortize that over 30 years, I bet that was one of the, that'd be an amazing return on investment. Absolutely. For, for four grand. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So again, it, it varies lender to lender. So you have to ask these questions. Now, sometimes spending a point or two makes all the difference in the payment that you're trying to achieve. It makes more sense the longer you're going to be in the house, to your point, okay? NerdWallet.com has some good charts to compare what you get with a typical buy-down. And MortgageCalculator.org is another good tool to adjust the rates and see what kind of payment you can achieve. You can mess with your rate and your down payment and all that kind of stuff. And uh, raise your hand, listeners, if you're surprised Julie goes to a site called NerdWallet. Yeah, I'm sure they're shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I like to see the charts and graphs. It makes it easier. Well, that's Um, the name. Yes, I know. But the thing about MortgageCalculator.org that's good is that it also will allow you to put in the taxes and insurance so you see the all-in payment. Okay, remember that all of this is still subject to a particular qualifications of the borrower. Credit, job history, income, and ratios are all, of course, still a factor. A borrower might be able to achieve the same goal by improving their credit by 20 points. Experian.com is a great resource to understand credit and how to improve it. We talked about Mint.com yesterday. shows you your credit every day if you want to see it, Okay. So sometimes the reason that your rate is higher is because your credit's like $6.99. And if you made it $7.20, then it would make all the difference. So point number three, or strategy number three, utilize an adjustable rate mortgage, this is known as an ARM, to keep payments low for a few years. There is an initial term of the loan which has a lower rate, thus lower payments. You can do a three, five, seven, or 10-year loan, which adjusts to the prevailing rate at the end of that initial time frame. Again, this is where it depends on the borrower's situation. If you know that you're going to, say, get relocated in five years, maybe you do a five-year arm because you know that's what the plan is. Maybe you want to lock it in for a little bit longer time. You do a 10-year loan. You can do all of these things with adjustable rate mortgages. They are a good choice if... A, you plan to move before the end of the introductory fixed low rate period and are not really concerned about future rate increases, especially if you know, your job is going up, for example, your, you know, your income. B, you want an initial period of a lower rate, a lower payment, and will either move or refinance before the rate adjusts up. Remember, you can always refinance if you get a better, late, a better rate later on. Just because you do an adjustable rate does not mean you can't refinance as well. But based on everything Julie's presented to all of you thus far and knowing the history of real estate with inflation, I think all of you will agree the move is going to be to do a 30-year fixed rate mortgage and buy down the rates if there's a little bit of a payment issue and then never, ever, ever, ever sell the house. Right. Like ever, exactly. ever, ever. No. Never sell Lock the house. Lock it in. Yep. That's right. So, and I even haven't even gotten into the real complicated stuff, like making sure that it's an assumable, if you ever did want to sell, it makes your house more competitive, but that's down the road. Bottom line, number one, some buyers, you have to accept this fact, will simply be priced out of the market no matter what you do. 
be a listing agent, and use the strategies we've shared to save deals when necessary to help your listing clients who are also buyers, etc. Point number two, not all borrowers are the same, not all loan products are the same. Lenders sometimes push buyers into products that will pay them the best, and if your buyers don't ask the right questions, they might not be getting the best loan for their situation. And in some cases, they might not be getting any loan for their situation. Well, well let's add a little bit of salt to that um, stew right there. Back in the uh, mortgage uh, you know, fiasco, the crash, what a lot of people didn't know was that their loan officers were putting all the borrowers into subprime mortgages because the subprime mortgages mm-hmm. paid huge commissions to the loan officers. And it wasn't until the subprime mortgage companies went out of business that the agents discovered that all their loans were sub, uh, essentially being treated as subprime, even though those borrowers would have easily qualified for a non-subprime mortgage, i.e. loan officer doing what was best for a loan officer. That's very true. And you also, we talked about having a whole generation of agents that don't have all this knowledge in their head already. We also have a lot of lenders that are recently in lending. So be careful who you're dealing with that they don't think you're crazy if you're asking these questions. People think there's going to be a lot of, uh, I'll tell you where there's going to be a lot of attrition is on the lender side of things. For they're the already reasons, getting laid off. It, well, they're going to get laid off, but they're going to be leaving the industry. A lot of lenders are actually going to become real estate agents. Well, the, why? That's because true. most lenders have never uh, learned how to build relationships with agents. And now that um, the refi boom is over because rates aren't continuously dropping, most loan officers have only basically, uh, they've only worked in one market where they, um, the mortgage rates were dropping. And so refinancing, you just call your client from six months ago and refinance them and make commission again. Most of these eight, uh, loan officers have no clue how to form relationships with agents in order to get access to the retail customers, i.e. their buyers. And that, so you're going to see a lot of agent uh, loan officer churn for sure right now. Yes. In fact, one of the deals that I heard about from a coaching client today was a recently laid off mortgage originator because his company had lost 50% of their refi business. And that was mostly what he did. So he ended up buying a house to flip from coaching client. <laughs> there so you go. All of it's already happening. Didn't take long. Point number three, for most buyers, locking in a home right now is more important than arguing over a couple hundred dollars in payment. Inflation and appreciation should perhaps be taken more seriously because waiting to be a homeowner is literally costing them money, at least for now. So I made that point because most agents and lenders are talking about the wrong thing, which is the payment. And there's no reason to believe, guys, that the seller's market is not going to uh, continue for years to come. Um, maybe 10 years, maybe even longer. And it's simple demographics. There's uh, the average baby boomer. Uh, the youngest is 57 and the oldest is 74. But I think the ratio is either 4 to 1 or 3 to 1, the number of millennials that are a num- number of millennials to baby boomers. So you're going to have a massive number of baby boomers who are downsizing and, and you know, frankly, passing away over the next 10 or 15 years. And you're going to have a massive, unprecedented, historically incredible number of millennials. They're going to be in there. Uh, a lot of them are going to be starting to earn significant money because of their age. And they're all going to be basically in home buying. Even the youngest millennials are going to be in the home buying range. That by itself is going to create a incredible demand for real estate well into the future. And I dare I say, not dependent on rates. This is just normal supply and demand, not dependent on rates. And there's not going to be any sort of white horse riding in on uh, you know uh, new construction. It's not going to happen. New construction costs have gone through the roof to the point where it doesn't make sense. A builder can't build a house, make a profit, and then compete with the resale homes. So new construction is not going to save us. It's all going to, essentially, we're going to see more and more of a seller in control of the market. We're going to see buyer's agents who are going to, frankly, be the greatest uh, 
you know, they're going to suffer. There's no doubt about it. We've been talking about this on this podcast for four or five years, all the headwinds to being a buyer's agent, and it's all coming home to roost right now. Uh, and if you're not focused, focusing all your best energies on becoming a listing agent, and you should do it urgently, chances are you're going to be uh, out of the business. And that's stone cold truth. Buying leads, uh, thinking that you could spend all your money on TikTok, making videos, hoping that people are going to call you is inefficient compared to learning how to be a listing agent and putting all your best efforts on really proactively lead generating sellers. That's where the leverage is going to be. The buyer's agent's commissions are going to drop. Some people believe that buyer's agent's commissions are no longer going to be an entitlement to the transaction. Translated, that means there's not going to be buyer's agent's commission automatically included. When you represent a buyer, you're going to have to get the commission out of the buyer. You guys just think about that. So if you've been building your business based on buyer side transactions, and now you have to explain to that buyer why they have to pay your commission, how's that going to work out for you? Become a listing agent urgently. And that's that's really our primary focus at our coaching company. So text the word JOIN to 47372. Text the word JOIN to 47372 and talk to one of our new member coaches. And remember, message and data rates may apply. Yes, so remember, guys, knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. Which one do you choose? You have to allow us to educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. If today's podcast made your head spin a little bit because now you got to learn all this stuff, <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know why you would try to do that on your own or wait until something like this hits you in the face in the middle of a transaction. So I have a question for you. You sure. said assumable mortgages. I not. Do you know yeah. something I don't? Well, do you remember when people would lock in? No, I know what an assumable right. mortgage is. I'm asking you, do you know of any yeah. current mortgage company? You have to ask for it. Yes, you have to. Usually it's baked in, but not always. Remember, there's a lot of different things in. Yes, some of them are. It depends on the rest of the deal. So assumable mortgage implies that you can then allow someone to purchase your house, assume your mortgage so they don't have to apply for a new mortgage, and then they'll pay you the equity you have in the house. And uh, they'll get your interest rate. And they'll get your interest rate. Right. I mean, if they're, we have to research that because I didn't was not yeah. aware that's well, even... Remember, when back when there was more inventory and you'd have three houses that were all $300,000, the one that had the assumable loan, and you can put that in the MLS... That got more action. As long as the rate on the assumable was less than the market rate, that house becomes more popular. We have to research that to find out who's actually doing assumable. All of this weird stuff's coming back. Yeah. Well, weird to them. Maybe not weird to Well, weird to me. Ones. I haven't heard assumable mortgages in years. Well, but when you, was the last time you heard about an arm? Yeah. You know, it's funny. When Julie and I first got in the business, and there, was, there were barely none of these deals out there, but you'd see houses that came up for sale that assumable FHA mortgages. Those were hot, man. They were. They were crazy because <laughs> yeah. you you could walk, you could call the seller, and the seller would basically have maybe twenty thousand dollars equity in the house. And because when we got in the business, the average rate was probably seven or eight percent. Mm -hmm. You could, uh, and the and the rates prior to that may have been lower. You could walk in, write the seller a check for their proceeds, or get ready for this: the seller would be willing to take the their equity as an unsecured line will basically be a second mortgage. So you could purchase a seller's house, uh, agree to pay them back their equity, which let's just make up a, a number, $20,000, over like two or three years as, a, as what would amount to a second mortgage. In other words, you wouldn't need any down payment and the collateral would be the actual house. We had closings like that. We, we didn't did. have a ton of them, but we did have closings like that. And all of this sounds like complete utter madness to these <laughs> listeners. So we better stop before we get into storytelling mode. But the point is that just because rates are going up, that should not be the story. The story should be, what are you losing out on if you're not in contract on something, if you're not getting your buyers in contract on something, because the inflation and appreciation more than pays them back, at least for now. And remember, based on the math that we did, 
Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, they said 16% uh, inflation appreciation. Now we're already over 25%. If it was only seven, you'd still be breaking even on your payments. The other thing is, because people will argue with that stance, and they'll say, well, what about the truly sense payment-sensitive borrower? Well, so remember, some of them, there's nothing you can do. They have reached their limit because prices and payments have just knocked them out of the market. That's okay. Work with people that that didn't happen to. That's why you've got to be proactively generator. So, but what about that argument? Somebody who's really payment sensitive, oh my gosh, the rates are going up. So I didn't put it in this outline, but did you know that it takes, it, let's say on a $500,000, I think it was 500,000 with uh, 400,000 financed, it takes fully two entire points to raise that payment by $500. That's incredible. Okay, and we're going up in increments, usually a quarter percent at a time. So we're two full points away on a mortgage of that size having a significant difference. Most of the time when it goes up by a half point, the payment is raised by between 100 and 150 bucks a month. And if that knocks your borrower out, they probably weren't that strong in the first place. And by the way, if you didn't listen to a podcast series, a two-day series that Julie and I did um, the, the, yesterday and the day before, we do not believe interest rates are going to go up significantly. Um, and we discussed that on the podcast. We could be wrong, but I don't think we are. So you need to go back, maybe listen to those podcasts. We have thousands of past podcasts. This is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. Our stated goal every time we do one of these shows is to educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. Hopefully the action that you're having after listening to today's show is moving away from the inaction. In other words, move away from fear because no, fear does nothing other than causes you to not do what's going to take for you to be in service to other people and make money. That's what this podcast was hopefully all about for you. We love the five-star reviews on iTunes. That's your homework as always. And please share this podcast with at least three other agents that you know. Help us be in alignment with what our mission is, which is being of service to all of you guys. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.